We are in a series that you asked for, and it's called, <laughs> You Asked For It. Back at, on Easter Sunday, we surveyed the entire church that was in attendance that, to, that day. Over 200 and some people took a survey, and on that we asked, uh, what categories, what messages do you want to hear the most? And from those results, this series, we're going to be preaching through the top five most requested sermons that you asked for. And so if you don't like it, you asked for it, okay? If it's good, you asked for it. And, and I hope this is helping somebody. Is, that, is this helping anybody? Is this helping? Because you asked for this. I hope it's helping you. And uh, today is part three of this. But real quick, we started off with the number five most requested sermon, and that was discovering God's purpose for my life. That's how we kicked this off. And then last week was part two. We talked about number four, surviving life's worst moments. And maybe someone had a worst moment last week and they raised a hallelujah in the midst of it. And uh, uh, today we're going to continue with the number three most requested sermon that you asked for, and that is raising kids in today's culture. And uh, it's just like... It seems ironic that months ago we scheduled Jenny Young to be with us, and uh, this happens to be the topic of today, raising kids in today's culture. Now, I know if you're in T1, T2, or T3, you're taking notes, and, uh, but if the rest of you, if you want to take notes, I would encourage you to do that. If you want to find my notes, you can go to the YouVersion Bible app, go to the events page, find New Life Church, and every Sunday you have access to all my entire outline on your phone as we go through it. So if you want to do that, you're more than welcome to. Raising kids in today's culture. Um, Raising kids is likely one of the most rewarding, yet most challenging things that Jenny and I have ever done. (laughs) Parents, amen? And the challenges of today's culture ever increase the challenge of parenting. You know, parents, there is an ongoing battle for the hearts of our children. And you already know this because you asked for this. You asked for this message today because you are aware of the battle that's going on in our world for the hearts of our kids in, in reality, I could, I'm very passionate about this top topic, marriage and family, kids, and uh, I, I could build a four one-hour talks on this subject, um, but today I'm going to do it in hopefully 30 minutes. But if you want more information, it was actually a year ago, November in 2021, uh, we did a series, and you can find it online at newlifeforkokoma.org. So this week, if you, if you have a commute to work and, you're, and parents, you're interested in more information on this, we did a three-part series last year called For the Win, and that was all about raising up the next generation. And so uh, that's a resource if you want to dig in more. But today, in 30 minutes, I want to give you this uh, raising kids in today's culture because parents fear that their child one day could end up at risk. They could end up at risk of falling behind in school, or they could end up at risk of of developing bad manners, or not choosing the right friends, or even worse, 
falling into depression, addiction, violence. And we all hear about, uh, the, we all hear all the time about how there are those that uh, even f- struggle with suicidal thoughts. And we may fear that, that one of these things could, could grip our son or daughter one day. And how does such an innocent, adorable child end up at risk even before they reach their adult years? And so what makes a child at risk? And simply put, what makes a child at risk is the number of assets that they have. And so let let me go a little further further about this, there's two different kinds of assets that every child has. There's external assets and there are internal assets. Let's look at some external assets. An external asset would be something like a support system, positive families, caring adults, church community. This would be an external asset for a child. Activities, sports, having safe boundaries, good role models like teachers, coaches, and pastors. And when you, when you think of external assets that children have, think environmental, okay? Think about the environment that they live in. Those are the external assets that they have. So parents, you are an external asset to your children. So are grandparents and pastors and teachers and uh, coaches, your church, your home, And actually, believe it or not, listen kids, teens, if you're in the room, having rules is an asset to your life. It's an external asset because it forms boundaries and accountability. And that is an important asset for kids to have. There's also internal assets. And these things would be like having motivation, especially like for school or for work. Having a caring attitude. Uh, having integrity, honesty, or they, they show empathy, they're peaceful, um, they show restraint, D- they can delay sexual activity, um, show empathy, peaceful, uh, peaceful in conflict, they believe in themselves. So when you think internal assets, think values and principles. So external assets is environmental, internal assets is values and principles. And what we have found is that the number of assets that a child has determines that child's outcome. Take a look at some statistics with me. Assets determine children's outcome. 11% of children, this was done in a survey of about 200,000 kids in this survey, 11% of them had between 31 and 40 assets. So in other words, in that 31 to 40 assets, we're talking about they have maybe a a parents at home, a coach, they might have rules to follow. All of those assets add up to 31 to 40 assets. Of those, less than 1% experience drug use. Less than 1% if they have 31 to 40 assets. 13% of kids had 0 to 10 assets. And of those, of that 13%, 41% messed with drugs, 42% experienced suicidal thoughts. 37% of kids surveyed have 21 to 30 assets, 
15% of them have used drugs. 11% have, have had suicidal thoughts. 39% of kids in this survey have 11 to 20 assets. 21% of them have used drugs. And 26% have had, experienced suicidal thoughts. The average number of assets that a teen has is 18. 18 assets. 18, whether these are caring adults, parents, coaches, teachers, or whether it's values of integrity, honesty, self-control, delayed sexuality, things of that nature. The average number is 18 assets. And if you look to see where they fall, they fall in a category that I, I, if I were a betting man, I would not want to bet on 18 assets and my children's success. So we have to increase the number of assets that our children have. And some parents, out of fear of what could happen to their kids, they go into like protection mode or, they, or we, we call it you know, being, sheltering your children, right? And although boundaries are important, it's important to, to definitely filter our children's lives, but like this is why church community is so important because it increases the number of assets in the kid's life. Instilling values in them through church community increases the number of assets. I believe every teenager needs a youth pastor. They need, they need someone that's at their level in their life investing into them. I'm thankful for the people of our church that, that give into our, and sow their time into our student ministry and, and people like Hannah Harrington, our kids director, who right now is back there with all you kids, all your kids, and she's back there and she's teaching them and she's putting assets in their hearts. Assets determine outcome. But who gives kids assets? If a kid has an asset, it's because a caring adult gave it to them. You can't just put them out there on their own. Caring adults are the reason why kids have assets. And the number of assets determines their outcome. This now supersedes that of a parent. This means for all of us, if we have a heart and passion for the next generation and children of our world, if the number three most requested sermon really is, how do we raise kids in today's culture? Well, guess what? It's up to all of us. We all can become an asset to every child in this church in some way, shape, or form. I'm thankful for close friends. And the reason they're my close friends is because they're assets to my children too. They're, they, they're just not in it with, with Jenny and I. No, they actually care about my kids. They're an asset to them. They're an example to them. They're a role model. We have to increase the number of assets in our children. So the first thing I would say is invest assets into our kids. Invest assets. So again, I have three things for raising kids in today's culture. The first is invest assets into our kids. It's important that we take complete ownership even if the child's not even our own, to invest assets into them. I mean, I, I have stories of young people that, that grew up in a very, very difficult home life, but they had an, older, an elderly gentleman who loved God and happened to live next to him. And that old neighbor became an asset to that young person. So, so you can become an asset in any child's life, whether you're their neighbor, maybe they're a student, 
friends or grandchildren. You can become an asset. You can be the caring adult that invests into that child's life. Because the more assets, the better the outcome. So keep your kids in church. If you want to know how to raise kids in today's culture, parents, invest assets into your kids. Keep your kids in church. It's not my kids' decision to go to church. Hmm. I done decided that for them, Mike. You go in the church. But because we've always made church a priority, my kids wouldn't miss it if I let them. My kids spend all year, they can't wait to go to camp. They can't wait to go to youth convention this weekend. And today was the first Sunday, my, my boy was up here playing guitar. Come on, isn't that cool? Come on, give it up. He's, gonna, he's far better than me. It's awesome. Invest assets into your kids. Keep your kids in church. It is a powerful asset. One of the greatest assets of my life was that my parents took me to church, raised me in church, and I had a youth pastor that believed in me, saw something in me, and he has been my spiritual father since I was 10 years old. He is to this very day. He gave me my first opportunity in ministry. He told me I could do things that I had no idea I could do. Keep your kids in church. And most importantly, parents, grandparents too, be your kids' greatest assets. God's, we talked about how do I discover God's purpose for my life in the first week of this. Well, I said one of the ways to know God's plan for your life is to look around. And if you're married, then God's purpose is for you is to be the best spouse you can. But if you have kids... And God's purpose for you is that you be the greatest asset of your child's life. So invest assets into your kids. Deuteronomy 6 says this. It says, these commandments that I give you today are to be put on your hearts. But don't stop there. <laughs> Listen to me right now. Right now. You pray to God what you should give in the raise uh, to the heart for the house offering. You pray right now. <laughs> this, is, this is one of our projects for the heart to heart, heart to the house offering. But don't stop there and press them on your children. Oh, that was a good plug. Heart for the house. Giving type, heart for the house, new life for Cook my And press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. And when you, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up, what's he talking about? He's talking about be present and be an asset for your children, but talk about it when you're at home and on the road, when you're sitting. In other words, invest the assets of values and principles in the hearts of your children. These are the commands of God. You've got to invest them into their hearts. So invest assets into your kids. The second thing, this is one I'm very passionate about, number two, is, is you have to consider the influence of media. You have to consider the influence of media because if you will not go after your child's heart, the media will. They already are. They're strategic. They've built billion-dollar organizations to figure out how to capture your child's attention more than you can. This is, this is very, very important. Some of the enemy's most clever tactics 
is evading our hearts through what we watch and through what we hear. If it's got a good beat, we listen to it. If it's interesting, we watch it and we soak it all up. And so do our kids. The enemy uses media to paint false pictures in our minds of what God looks like. The enemy uses media to paint false pictures in our minds of what acceptable behavior is, of what love is, of what relationships look like, what happiness really is, and the standards that make you accepted. Or in other words, the standards that make you cool. And our young people soak this all in. And they believe this, this, this falsehood, this, this lie of what it means to be somebody. The problem is the people selling them this lie, they are profiting a great deal of money off of it. But they are using principles and values that you would never want for your kids. Listen, they, they don't hold anything back. So we have to guard our hearts from letting an out-of-whack world tell our kids what normal is. And I'll even say it to you. You have to, you have to prevent an out-of-whack world from letting you believe what normal is. 98% of people are influenced by media. 98% or in some way, are influenced by media. We can quote more office quotes, more movie quotes, than we can recall the scriptures. And this aches my heart. And sometimes we blame God when we're hurting and wondering why he would allow us, why he allows such things to happen to someone who follows him. God, why would you let this happen to me? But in reality, it's not God who has allowed the garbage into your lives by letting our lives be shaped by the media and not his word. And we wonder why our kids end up a mess is because they're being shaped by the media, not their parents. You'll see, my twins are 14. And um, so this would have been nine years ago when Aiden was five years old. This is so long ago that you'll, you'll understand how that nine years a lot has changed. But when, when my son Aiden was five years old, he was standing with Jenny um, at a red box kiosk. And uh, they were looking for a possible movie to rent. And then Aiden speaks up. And I wrote this in my journal years ago because I just, I was like, I want to remember this. And Aiden speaks up. He says, hey, mom, remember not to get a movie with bad words or bad things. You have to guard your eyes and your ears at the same time. Isn't that good? And then he said, you don't want to trick your brain into thinking that something bad is actually something good. Five years old. And I was like, how true that is. You don't want to trick your brain into thinking that something bad is something good. 
and the enemy's got some tricks. It is said, researchers believe that most of the time, what you believe when you're 13 years old is what you will likely die believing. 13. So youth ministry starts at four years old. (laughs) They believe that what you believe at 13 is what you will die believing. Well, the media marketers of our day and age, they have developed what they call the branding age. The branding age is their target, their goal to um, basically sell a brand to a child that they will, they will be locked into by the age of 13 because they know if they can get them at 13, they can, they can, um, uh, they can develop a lifelong spender in their brand. Do you want to take one guess at what the branding age is? It's 13. So how do you brand a 13-year-old? You don't. You start when they're in preschool. Now, there are companies, for instance, uh, and I have some fine print at the end, but let me just say this. There's a particular company called Viacom. Viacom is the owner of many brands, and you've heard of them all. Viacom owns Nick Jr., they own Nickelodeon. Um, I'll, I'll make sure I get this right. Okay, they own Nickelodeon. They own Nick Jr. You know what else they own? They own MTV. They own VH1. They own Comedy Central, BET, the Logo Channel. They own Paramount, and they own Showtime. And their strategy, they have what they call They call this their cradle-to-grave strategy. That your child will grow up in their brand from the time they're young to the time they're old. Their strategy is to get them with their child-like brands and then raise them up all the way through their brands. And they choose the messaging. They choose the messaging. I mean, really think about it. Britney Spears years ago was an innocent little girl on Disney. Captivated all these young people. But then she didn't stay at Disney. She moved to MTV. And so did the generation. And and then the generation also uh, became more and more immoral as the young lady wore less and less clothes. And then one day, Britney went... Shave, shave her head, Brittany, because she was so used and abused by the system. This is why they take a Hannah Montana and make her a Miley Cyrus. It's going on right in front of us, but we don't see it. They have a plan for your kids, and many Christian parents don't. We don't have plans for our kids. And so what I'm not saying today is I'm not saying never watch a movie. Don't don't watch Nickelodeon. I'm not saying that. 
But what Jenny and I have instituted ever since uh, we had our boys is that we filter anything they watch. And we've, we try to teach them how to filter what they see. Because as they get older, they get more freedom. So we have to teach them how to filter what they see. I remember when Jenny and I, we were in ministry years ago, and uh, I was working three jobs, and, and I remember we could afford the internet at our house. I was so excited, y'all. I was like, man, we could like stream free TV. It's going to be awesome. Well, then our internet provider was like, well, we'll make you a deal. We'll give you internet cheaper if you bundle it with basic cable. I'm like, I don't want basic cable. I said, I don't want that garbage in my house. I don't want basic cable. And they said, how about for $39.99? I said, I'll take it. It really was cheaper to bundle. So now we got basic cable and internet. And I remember my little boy's grade was just born. Grade was brand new. That means Aiden and Joel were probably about four years old. I remember, uh, you know, we were like getting dinner ready or whatever and like we flicked on the TV. I was like, we got cable TV. Like, I don't need to put a DVD in. I'm going to put on cable TV. I put on the TV. I go to the kids' channel. They're watching TV. And the first commercial came on. And my kids were like, Dad, I need that. <laughs> it was some kind of toy. He's like, I need that. And right there, I, ha- I had an epiphany. I was like, if that toy salesman knocked on my front door and said, can I have some alone time with your kids? i say, get lost. Wouldn't you? The toy man came knocking on your door, door and said, Hey, can, can you have your kids come out here? No, you stay, you stay in. I just need your kids. I'm going to try to sell them my product for a little bit. You would say, bro, get lost. I don't know who you are. You're not talking to my kids. And in that moment, I realized I invited that salesman into my living room with my kids, and I wasn't present. And it was just a toy. Well, guess what? They're pitching the idea of sexuality to your kids and you're not present, of what cool is, of what normal is, what acceptable is. And we invite them into our house. How? Through the influence of media. So we have to consider the influence of media when we're raising kids in today's world. It is so important. Listen, I was a youth pastor for 10 years and I would watch innocent sixth graders come into the youth group and over, the, and over the next few years, I could see the influence of culture on their life. And I could hear it through the music they listened to, the movies and shows that they would watch, and I'd just be blown away. I'm like, I'm like, my wife and I would never watch that movie. What do you mean you're watching that movie? Yeah, watch that movie. That's a terrible movie to watch. We invite it in. Consider the influence of media. If you want to raise kids in today's culture, you've got to consider the influence of media. I hope I'm not stepping on toes, but you asked for this, okay? You asked for it. You asked for it. Proverbs 4.23, this is is a verse I've taught teenagers for years. It says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And every time a young person exposes himself to to media or, or wrong ideologies, their heart is a sponge. It soaks it all in. And then when the pressure of life comes, what gets squeezed out of that sponge directs their life. And unfortunately, what's getting squeezed out of sponges today is filth. And it directs the course of their life. Guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. 
So it's, it's important to invest assets into our kids, consider the influence of media, and number three, the importance of home and family. The importance of home and family. There's no greater asset you can give your kids than the safety of their home. Your children, they go to schools, they go to campuses every week. They got to know that when they come home, they're safe. There's no greater influence around a child's life than their family. And so here's, parents, what I want you to know is that we can create a culture in our home that is stronger than the culture deceiving our kids. This is Jenny and I's life goal. And we will fight all hell to see that this happens. That we create a culture in our home that is stronger than the culture deceiving our kids. Not the culture trying to deceive your kids. No, the culture's deceiving our kids. The second thing I want you to know, parents, is do not give your spiritual authority away to others. Be a parent of faith and confidence. Again, you are your child's greatest asset. Don't think, well, the pastor will do it. The coach will do it. The teacher's going to fix it. Here's a book, teenager. That'll fix them. No. Don't give your spiritual authority away. Be a parent of faith and confidence. And I know, listen, I'm a parent. Um, I've never made a mistake. <laughs> today. Today. Because I made some yesterday and the day before. Parenting is the most rewarding and the most challenging thing I've ever done. But parents, this is what I want you to know. As I want you to know that God is not looking for perfect parents. You can relax. But he is looking for courageous and faithful parents who are willing with repentant and humble hearts to pass on a legacy of redemption, holiness, and wisdom to our kids. And I hope that speaks life to you. Because if you're like me, You've made some mistakes in parenting. But it's good to know that God's not looking for my perfection. But he is looking that I have a willing, humble heart, which means I'm willing and and humble enough to say, hey, kiddo, I really messed up. I shouldn't have done that. Let's make this right. And having the, the, listen, God's not called you to be your kid's best friend. He's not. He's calling you to be your kid's greatest influence. Popular people are not influential, but influential people are not always popular. Sometimes as parents, we have to be unpopular in order to give our kid the asset of this is a hard boundary for our Christian life. And we do it in love, don't we? Would you stand to your feet with me? Is this helping somebody today? All over this place, would you just close your eyes, bow your heads, close your eyes, just you, just God. I assume that for this to be the number three most requested sermon, that there are parents in the room 
that they are having to face the challenge of raising kids in today's world. And today, I want to pray that your heart would be filled with faith today for your family, that you would be on a mission to build a strategy to lead your kids that, and, and to build a culture in your home that is stronger than the culture deceiving our kids. Would you just put your hands out just like this, like you're receiving a gift, and just surrender right now to the Lord. God, we just surrender all of our ways for yours. Sometimes the tools that I've used as a dad were just the tools my dad gave me, and I know they were broken. So, I, Lord, I just give all of that up. I give up every, every time I've struggled, every time I've stumbled, and, God, I, now I just want to receive from you a fresh, fresh faith, fresh courage and boldness in a heart that will not let my kids slip away. I will fight for connection. I will fight for their heart. And we as a church will be a church committed to building and putting assets in the hearts of the young people of this church. In Jesus' name, amen.